0: The scripture reading this evening is Psalm 23, 1 through 6. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is God's word. Please be seated. Father, thank you for... This group that has gathered tonight to praise you and to encourage one another and to be reminded of great truths in your scripture, truths that that are not only coming to us in promises but truths that, that also expand our understanding of really who you are. These truths are are, are, the, are the beauties that hang on your character father that that open our eyes to your greatness in such a way that that we stand in awe, we stand in amazement and, and wonderment, Father, seeing not only are you worthy of praise, but, but that you are worthy, Father, of the dedication and commitment of our entire lives, of all of our energy, of all of our thoughts, of all of our actions, of all of our affection, all of these things, Father, you're worthy of that. And tonight we come to this psalm that... Uh, that that for many of us we struggle with how it has become so cliché for us in life and i pray father that as we we think about it and 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 delve deeper into the words that david wrote so many thousand years ago that we see it with with new eyes and we hear it with new ears eyes and ears that you give us for we want not only to be discerning father but we want to be moved in in our soul by these words, because they are those very truths that make you beautiful before our eyes. And so to this end, bless us, Father, as we study, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a really old joke that uh, goes like this. There's a Sunday school teacher with all of these old third graders, and in the middle of class, she goes, I have a question for you. What is, uh, has brown fur, has a big bushy tail, eats nuts, and lives in a tree? nobody raises their hand. She goes, nobody knows what this little brown animal is with a big bushy tail, eats acorns and lives in trees, what that thing's called. Finally, one little girl kind of tentatively raises her hand. She goes, oh good, somebody knows. What's, what's the answer? And she goes, I think the answer is a squirrel, but I'm going to say Jesus. <laughs> you, you know, there are just certain times when we, we, we tend to turn our, uh, turn our minds off when it comes to you know, religious things, or biblical things, or church things. And Psalm 23 is, is sort of like that. It's, one of the, it's the most famous verse out of the Old Testament. John three sixteen would probably be the, the number one uh, well-known verse, popular verse in the New Testament, Psalm 23 in the Old Testament. And when you're honest, what do you think of when you think of Psalm 23? You think of funerals. You think you think of hospital rooms. You think about the end of life. You think about really tough times or bad times or, or critical times in a human life. And that these are the words, and they are, they are very appropriate words to read at this time of life. And in those moments of life. But when you really spiral in and begin to think very, very deeply about Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is not about death, but it is about life. It is a psalm about life that, that, that describes what a deeply, profoundly satisfied life in God looks like, and how that life is constructed. Now what makes this thing really, really re- relevant is that, is that our satisfaction really does vacillate in this life, doesn't it? Life is that is described in Psalm 23 is a life that is about not needing anything because everything has been supplied. It's a life that we should aspire to. It's a life that, that is, is not hungering for things. It's a life that is not yearning for things because everything has been supplied. The psalm begins with the words, The Lord is my shepherd, you finish it. I shall not want, which means I'm satisfied. That there's, there's, a, there's a point in my life journey that I can say I feel full I feel sated I'm I'm satisfied there's not a single thing that I want And again the relevancy is is because we live in a world that where that kind of satisfaction vacillates. I mean there are days, if you think about it, there are there are moments in your own spiritual journey where you go, you know, I feel so close to God, I feel so close to God that it feels like, you know, he's not just around me, but he's in me and he fills me up, and there's not a single thing in this life that I want. Psalm seventy three, verse twenty eight, the psalmist says, The nearness of God, that is my good. And you understand what he means. You understand what he's saying? That the nearness of God, that that nearness that you sense, that is the highest good, the apex of good in your life, and there is nothing else in this world that, that even comes close. You are satisfied. There's nothing else that you want. But then there are those other times when you find yourself, your, your mind and, and your soul and your heart sort of wandering to the things of this planet, the things that perish, the things that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter uh, 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, as those things that perish, the things that can be stolen, the things that moth eat, that, uh, that can be destroyed by rust, that our truest treasure, our truest, most precious treasure is in heaven. And part of the reason that we do that vacillation is because we live in a culture that is deeply committed to bringing out dissatisfaction in people's lives. So the question that we want to, we're going to ask two questions about the psalm tonight, and we're only going to be looking about the first three verses. We'll look at the, uh, uh, the next part of the text next week. But there's a couple of questions that we want to ask, and the first one is this. Okay, so my life does vacillate between you know feeling satisfied and feeling full and not yearning for anything, and then there are times when I just hunger and thirst for, for some experience or for some possession. What does David define as satisfaction at the beginning of this psalm? Now again, our culture does breed a, a sense of, of dissatisfaction. We're surrounded not only by the media that's always saying, you know, you need this or you need that, but we're also surrounded by dissatisfied people. Think about your conversations during the week. How many of your conversations with the people that you love or the people that you work with, the people you go, you go to school with, how many of those conversations are really about needing something or wanting something or desiring something? We're surrounded by, by dissatisfied people. And as you, you drive down the highway or you, you, you listen to the radio or, or you know, as you intersect with people, the world you discover is full of whining, complaining, overspending, snorting, smoking, sexing, stealing, cheating, augmenting people. Why? Because of that God-shaped hole in their heart that they're trying to cram something into because everybody has that hunger. They're just cramming it with things that are not God-shaped. The hard thing, though, is when we as disciples of Jesus of Nazareth read this psalm over and over again and begin to discover that this is not really a psalm about death, even though it is very comforting in those dark, critical moments of life, that dark place, that dark valley that we go through, even though it is extremely relevant to that, we have to admit that sometimes we find a lot of dissatisfaction, a high degree of dissatisfaction among the disciples of Jesus of Nazareth. But who wrote psalm twenty three David you know and we think about david as 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 the you know the glowing king of of israel he's the one that defeated Goliath in, in, in 1 Samuel. In, in, in 2 Samuel he has, he has begun to unify the kingdom that has been uh, sort of messed up by, uh, by Saul. And he begins to, to, move, to, to move Israel to high points of success in, in following God and in the greatness of that kingdom as it is blessed by God. But David's life was not all that great at times. You know there's that moment when you know, he's, he's on the run. Because the king is after him, he has done nothing wrong that, at least, we're, we're told about it in the text that should make Saul go after him. But Saul is upset. Saul wants David dead, and there is a point where he tries to kill him. And yet, David, you know, on the run, will not defend himself. He is on the run. He's trying to he's trying to to to, to secure his life and to make his life safe. So he leaves and he goes out into the wilderness. You know, his first marriage to Michael, not all that great. He lost children. One of the saddest things about David's life is is, is not just those times when you, you go, David, 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 how in the world did you make a mistake like that? David, you are the man after God's own heart. How did you do it? And as sad as those are for those of us who have children, the loss of those children. And it was just one right after another, right after another, right after another. He rocked Israel with scandal. You know, as, as king, he has a palace, it's heavily guarded. Not social media back in those days. He could lock himself away, but no man is an island and he is the king of Israel. He has got to show his face, and they may not say it, but he sees it in the eyes of the people that there is a, a bit of disdain. There is a, there's a high degree of disappointment in what he has done that has become, that has become pu- public. And it seems like during all of those years that David is trying to to unify all of those tribes and to make it a great nation and and to fight off all of those enemies of God, primarily the Philistines, it seems like David's life and David's kingdom is perpetually in war. So David, how do you say, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. David, how do you say, you're satisfied. I mean, when you read those those really poignant texts, I mean, you remember when Absalom is killed. You know, Joab. You know, Absalom has all the hair there at the end of Second Samuel gets caught in that tree after the coup, and Joab kills him. And you know, there's there's David who has said, you know, you got to protect protect that boy, protect Absalom. You know, you, you know, defeat the 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 army of, of of Absalom, but Absalom himself, you know, let no harm come to him. And what happens when he finds out that Absalom is, is dead? The text says, and the king was shaken. It's one of the most poignant texts in the entire Bible. And the king was shaken. And he goes upstairs to that upper part and everybody hears him saying, my son, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, my son. My son. David did not like the bad stuff or the hard stuff or the crisis stuff any more than we did. And yet David has discovered a way in which his life seems full and feels full and and, 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 and his life feels vibrant and dynamic even though he can talk about in verse 4 of this psalm going through the valley, the shadow of death. You know, when, when David writes this psalm, he talks about, you know, he the, the metaphor of sheep and shepherd, he talks about himself and God's people as the sheep. He says, you know what? This is what God does. God makes me lie down in green pastures. He, he he makes me go beside, you know, those 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 tanks of water. You know, when you think about it, you don't really see sheep lying down all that much. If you've ever seen sheep, they're always standing around, right? They're they're not they're they're not lying down. They're always, you know, they're they're milling around. But sheep very rarely will lie down, and the reason is that sheep do not lay down unless they're peaceful. When they're anxious, when there's something that's bothering them, they don't lie down. What is it that really affects the sheep that way? Well, when you think about it, when you look at a, a, a pasture, one of the things that really grabs sheep because they are in some ways the most defenseless animal is fear. They have a fear that there's predators that they are unprotected, that they're vulnerable, that that there is a predator out there that has their name you know on his lunch pail, and it's fear and and when you think about it, we as sheep, the metaphor is it, it carries over into human life. when you think about human beings as sheep, you know there are a lot of fears that keep us up at night. There are a lot of fears the the the, the fear of of health, the fear of loss the the fear of of of, of, of death that is out there someplace that is awaiting us or the death of somebody that's near us. There's, there's those calls that come in the middle of the night that rock our world. There are so many fears out there. There are financial fears, health fears, there, there are relational fears, there, there are all kinds of fears out there and they are the very things that keep us from, from lying down and getting our sleep at night. I don't know if you're like me but when those fears begin to make their entrance into my heart, what do I have to do? I have to get up and I have to go sit down or, or pay someplace but I can't lie down. A second one are, are, are flies. You know, if the flies are just buzzing around, sheep, they're, they're going to get very annoyed and they're, they're going to get irritated and they're going, the last thing they're going to do is to lie down in satisfaction or in safety. And when you think about those flies, we get covered up by those flies, those little things at the same time, those little annoyances in life that just keep us from having peace. Those things just buzzing around. As, as much as we try to get away from them and not think about them because they're not that big, they always find a way to 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 sound right past our ear, and again we start thinking about them. You find uh, difficult relationships, you know, those fights. You know, a sheep doesn't want to lie down when there's another sheep that's frustrating it, wants to butt heads. Another one is, you know, when a sheep is hungering or thirsting, it's, it's looking for food. It goes into to food search mode, into water, you know, satisfied the thirst mode, and they will not lie down. They, they won't lie down in, in the pasture satisfied because they're hungering and thirsting. There, you know, there are other things that probably make the sheep restless but those are the big ones and, and we understand because we, we get annoyed by those little things. We, we have fears from time to time. There are relationships that want to fight and butt heads with us and there are, there are just times when we know that we should be thinking that all of our worth and all of our identity should be found in God himself and what God says about us but we hunger and thirst for other things you know we talked about that last week remember when we were talking about the temptation with jesus out there in the desert in matthew chapter 4 it is jesus being baptized he has aligned his life up that does fulfill all righteousness he is lining his life up in god's righteousness in god's will immediately comes up spirit sends him out into the wilderness and he's there for how many days 40 right and he goes 40 days without food and the text tells us that the Spirit leads him out into the wilderness because later on he's going to be tempted. And at the end of 40 days, when his body is beginning to break down, the muscles turning on itself, that's when Satan shows up. And Satan says, I know you're hungry. And you're the Son of God. you got all this power. You're mighty with power. If you're the Son of God, why don't you turn this bread, these rocks into bread? God does not seem to be filling you up right now. You're really, really hungry. If you are really the Son of God and you have all of this power, then do something about it. Turn these rocks into bread. And you know what Jesus says. He quotes Deuteronomy chapter 8. And the point is, is that Jesus realizes that God wants him hungry. God wants him hungry he says, I'm not going to do that. God's Spirit took me into the wilderness. It's God's Spirit that will sustain me and bring me out of the wilderness. And one of the the, the really, the the more you try to get your mind around it, the more more in wonder and awe you are of of Jesus' trust of God and how his understanding of God is the very thing that is going to define him. And that's what's happening in this psalm, the hungering and the thirsting for the things that we think are going to give us some kind of identity, some kind of joy, some some kind of jolly in this life. And so we don't sleep, and we won't lie down. And we've got all of these things that are happening in the life of a sheep, but David says, I can lie down, because it's God who satisfies me. And so question number two is, why is it that David is able to lie down? Well, it really boils to, to, two, to two decisions that David makes in the first part of this psalm. There are two reasons why David is able to lie down now again think about being a sheep in the context of psalm 23 there there are fears that you might have there there are those little things those little annoyances that come in that just irritate you and just keep you from having solid peace you have sort of a hybrid peace that you know that sort of the big things are taken care of but it's these little things like like gnats or like termites that are eating away at your joy and your peace and your confidence in god or there might be some relationship you you know peter peter talks about about husbands you know when you when you are not right with your wife, it's hard to pray to God. There are relationship issues that the Bible talks about that 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 steal your peace because you know that they're not the way that they're supposed to be. And as people that are built from creation Genesis one and two forward, who are built for relationship and to build not only to be in relationship with God but to be in relationship with each other. When those relationships become screwed up and those relationships are jammed up and people are not. United and in community the way that they should be, it does affect us. We put on the you know the, the 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 John Wayne facade at times, and we say, you know, but deep in our heart, we suffer. And all of those things that we hunger and thirst for. What David has decided is that God is going to be my shepherd. That of out of all of my experiences. God's going to be my shepherd. So the first decision that David makes in order to deal with with all of these, these other annoyances that keep him from lying down in those green pastures and being led to those quiet waters, his first decision is to stop following other shepherds. Right there at the very beginning, the Lord is my shepherd. He could have gone on to say which means that I will follow no other. And because I follow God and I don't follow other shepherds then I'm satisfied. You know... One way that you can talk about these annoyances in life are the things that keep you from lying down and finding that peace and finding that satisfaction in God. You know, one way to talk about them is, you know, they're the fears or the, the flies or, or the fights that you might have or, or, or even the famine that you go through when you hunger and thirst for things. But when you really boil it right down in other places, the Bible talks about the same thing. What he's really talking about are the idols of the heart. The things that you put your trust in. You think about the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd. The, the, the sheep realizes that his security is in the shepherd. The sheep realizes that as long as he's close to the shepherd, he's going to be safe. He's going to be supplied. He's going to flourish. Life is going to thrive. The problem is he has not decided who the shepherd is. David has decided. It is it is the possessor and the creator of the heavens and the earth. It is God. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and Jacob and he has decided to stop following other shepherds. You, you know, my, my, my prayer life is, is um, uh, kind of a multifaceted... You know, my, my prayer life a lot of times looks like a, a quilt. You know, they're just different. Patches sort of represent the, the different things that, that uh, you know I involve myself in in prayer. But at least at some point in my beginning prayers of the day there is a statement that goes like this. I dedicate this day to you. I dedicate my entire life to you. Whatever you want this day, I will do. You are my shepherd. You are my only shepherd. You're my only king. You're the only God. Help me, help me, Father, to strip away all of the idols. Something along those lines. The very beginning of the day, and you hear it in David's words, David says at the very beginning of this psalm that all of life comes comes spiraling down to one big decision. Is God your shepherd? And if God is your shepherd, it means you stop following other shepherds. And the reason, you know, one, one of the, the, the really ironic things, you know, we, we talk about how sheep are not really all that intelligent. Listen, they're, they're intelligent enough to, to have not been wiped off the planet, you know. But one of the things that is, is interesting about sheep is, is that, you know, they, they, they will walk off. And when you think about the irony of of that, how many times have you found yourself just sort of walking off from God and the next thing you know you're knee deep in idolatry, the idols of your heart are sowing the the seeds of destruction in your own heart before you realize, oh my goodness, I've already made that decision to follow another, another shepherd who instead of leading me to these kinds of places, what has done is really jacked up my life and has made me miserable and has enslaved me. And I find myself you know, enslaved to something that is not causing me to thrive or to flourish in this life, but is actually causing me not to sleep at night, it's actually causing me to, to, to diminish at some point at the beginning of the day, we let David direct our words and, and, and to say out loud in our prayers, God, today you are my shepherd and in you I will find all of my satisfaction. Uh, the second decision that, uh, that David has made is that he's going to eat and drink. He's going to eat and drink. He, he can lie down because... Physical needs been taken care of. He has plenty of food to nourish the body, has plenty of water to hydrate, you know, the sheep, the body, and he can lie down because he's in peace. You know, one of the really uh, kind of interesting things about, uh, um, uh, you know, it's kind of a cliche in uh, in American Western lore. You know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't. You can't make him drink. I tell you a lot. I mean, if that horse is thirsty, that horse is going to drink. If that horse is hungry, the horse is going to eat, right? You know, and and you know, I know what the, the the But when you think about, you think about what David has decided here. David has decided that he is going to go to the places of nourishment and and of hydration for his soul and his whole life and for his heart and his mind. He's going to those places that God provides. It, what it means is that he's not intellectually deciding that that okay god is my shepherd i'm not going to follow anybody else what he's doing in allowing god to be a shepherd is that he's sticking his head down into the water and gulping it down and he's eating mouthfuls of grass as a hungry sheep to the place that he is satisfied and he's full and he's and and he feels that fullness in such a way that he is satisfied and in peace and he can lay down when's the last time you did that in worship When's the last time you did that in your prayer life or your, 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 your study, your devotional life with God's Word that you weren't just reading it to make sure that you got through the Bible, the entire Bible in 365 days, but that you read the Bible and when you began to read it, the pages just began to open up as God began to be revealed to you in such ways that you go, Oh my goodness, God, and that's, that's it. It's God and nothing else. It, 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 it's, it's reading the, the words of these psalms and realizing that most of the psalms are made up of laments. They're made up of the, the sorrowful times. And It seems like most of the psalmists are going through some, some terrible crisis in life, but it always gets back to the fact that regardless of what's going on, just to gaze upon you, your beauty in the temple, Psalm 27, is all that I need, even though there are people that are trying to devour me, which doesn't sound very good. that it's not just intellectual acknowledgement that there is a god but but, but 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 and and not to sip and not to just nibble but to gulp it down and to gulp it down and to gulp it down and to gulp it down until soul is satisfied on god's word that is pointing you to the god who is who created everything and who looks at you and delights This next week, consider those two decisions in your prayer life. That at some point you say to God every day, I relinquish all desires to follow other shepherds. I follow you. And secondly, Father, help me to eat and to drink of your presence, of your being, of your truths, of all of these things that fill me up, that to gulp it down to, until I begin to thrive and I begin to flourish and begin to have that joy brimming up in my heart, that peace because of your nearness that's going to cause me to be able to lie down regardless of what's happening around me. Now that's the trick. That's the trick. Because, you know, when, when we're up on a mountaintop, we go, wow, this is really wonderful you know i just this is i wish i could just live up here forever the key is to is to get so much of of god taken inside that even in the valley of the shadow of death even in the presence of your enemies even in all of the things that david will go on to talk about you can say you know what i'm satisfied again easy on the mountaintop everything's going great feels great Let's sing Kumbaya one more time. But what about the joy and the peace that can cause you to lie down even when you're going through the tough times? See, that's the challenge of the Psalms to us. You know, we think the challenge of the Psalms is to get through poetry when we don't like poetry. The challenge of the Psalm is to reorient our life. You know, we're in orientation towards God. Then there's the event that takes place that causes a disorientation. We find ourselves lost. We find ourselves floundering. We're disappointed. We're annoyed. We're upset. We're mad. We feel like we need justice. We feel like we need some vengeance or something. And and we're going through all of this. And what the psalmists always remind us is that when we begin to think about the greatness of God in all of the universe, we find our lives being from orientation to disorientation to reorientation. And that's why the Psalms end with, you know, God's nearness. That that's my good. I will find myself in the end of my days in the temple of God, glorifying him. My thoughts are always filled with God. That's where the psalm, psalmists always end. And that is the challenge that David presents at the very beginning of this psalm. The psalm is not about death, the psalm is about abundant living. And maybe you've been struggling a little bit with that in your own life. And you could really use some help, the prayers of your church family, the counsel of your shepherds to, to get yourself reoriented in such a way that you find yourself going to God in such a way that you feel His blessing with every step you take when you're driving down 1604, you're overcome by that sense of peace that you just know that regardless of what happens, you're going to be okay, that you're going to be fine, because God, the creator of the heavens and and, and earth, the, the, the heavens and the earth, has his hand around you. If there are some things that we can help you with tonight, we're going to invite a couple of our shepherds to come down here to the front and During the singing of this next song, as we're praising God, if there's something on your heart that you would like for us to pray about tonight, come down to the front and share it with these shepherds as we stand and we praise God together.